Hello, and welcome to The Uncover Up. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nathan Radke, and joining me today is a printout of a nine-page declassified document from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, or DNI, of the United States, because this episode is being recorded at the end of June 2021, which means that after months of anticipation and speculation, the American government has released its preliminary assessment into unidentified aerial phenomena, a.k.a. the UFO report. This is all a test. We did an episode at the beginning of June in which we speculated what might be contained in this report. So now that it's out, I thought I would do a short episode in which we go over what the report says, what it doesn't say, what it recommends, and what the whole thing might mean regarding our understanding of the UFO phenomenon. Before we get into it, let's start with a little discussion regarding the term we're going to use to describe whatever it is that Navy pilots have been chasing. As of this recording, the American intelligence community has been using the term UAP, or Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. Here at the Uncover Up, we tend to use UFO, or Unidentified Flying Object, since that's a term that's widely used and understood by the public. Also, we use it as a bit of a tribute to the person who initially coined it, Captain Edward Ruppelt of Project Blue Book, although he preferred the pronunciation of UFO, which we don't use and, and nobody uses. He suggested this phrase because it wasn't as leading as what was being used at the time. Flying saucers. Or flying discs. The problem with those terms, obviously, is that they're too descriptive and narrow. Because what we think changes what we see. If we're referring to things as flying saucers, then we're more likely to see them as saucers, or to remember seeing them as saucers, when perhaps they were actually some other shape. Unidentified flying object accurately captures the three most important parts of the phenomenon. They're unidentified, they're flying, and they're objects. The intelligence community and the armed services are likely pushing this new UAP term to try to get away from the extraterrestrial association of UFO. But as long as we remember that the U stands for unidentified and not uh, extraterrestrial, Ruppelt's term is still accurate. Particularly since one of the conclusions made by this new intelligence assessment is that the UAP reports are likely observations of physical objects. Anyway, all that just to say that we're going to keep saying UFO. Now, let's look at the background to these nine pages. On June 25, 2021, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence released an unclassified report describing the UFO situation. They did this because in a $2.3 trillion government funding bill signed in December of 2020, there was this, this little stipulation that somebody hid inside the committee comment section that stated that the Director of National Intelligence had 180 days to release a UFO assessment. This request didn't come out of nowhere. The government's been interested in UFOs for a long time. In 2007, the Pentagon funded the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or AATIP, with the goal of looking into aerial encounters with unknown phenomena. It was launched at the request of former Nevada Senator Harry Reid, and it ran until 2012. And, of course, there have been previous UFO research programs such as Projects Grudge, Sign, and Blue Book back in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. Back in 2017, a former official from the AATIP named Luis Elizondo leaked to the press three videos taken by U.S. Navy pilots that appeared to show objects moving in an unexplainable way. Oh my gosh! They're all going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. These videos have since become known as the Gimbal, GoFast, and FLIR videos. 
Some of the pilots who were involved in these incidents have since gone public and described their UFO encounters in detail. And if their descriptions of their encounters are accurate, then they did encounter something very strange in the skies. In 2004, for example, pilots Fravor and Dietrich claimed to have seen a large disturbance on the surface of the Pacific Ocean off the coast of California, and when they approached it, they say they saw a tic-tac-shaped object about the same size as their F-A-18 fighter planes hovering over the water. In 2014, Navy pilots Graves and Nacoyne encountered objects over the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Virginia. Nacoyne was able to get a missile lock on one of the objects, and Graves claimed that a fellow pilot almost crashed into one of the UFOs in midair and was very shaken up about it. According to Graves, the pilot said the UFO resembled a sphere with a cube inside of it. Because of the footage released by Elizondo and the eyewitness accounts from pilots, there's been a lot of fresh buzz in the UFO community for the last few years. And this report landed in the middle of all that buzz. And it landed with a bit of a thud, to be honest. Nine pages isn't very long, and a lot was made in the press about how little was in those nine pages. However, I disagree. I disagree that there's nothing in here. I think that in some ways I was surprised about how much was disclosed in this intelligence assessment. Let's go through the main points of the report, and then we'll examine the context and the implications of the claims made by the American intelligence agencies. First, let's start with the numbers. This report only looked at UFO incidents from 2004 to 2021. I'd argue that there have been some extremely interesting UFO encounters that date back to the 50s, 60s, and 70s, but these were beyond the scope of this particular report. Many of those events, uh, the Kinross incident of 1953, for example, or the, uh, the Tehran incident of 1976, we've, we've covered in other episodes, so if you're interested in those, you can find them. According to the DNI, in the time frame they were studying, there were 144 UFO reports made by American government sources. Apparently, the DNI task force assigned to the project also heard lots of stories and anecdotal accounts of UFO encounters, but they limited themselves to examining only those encounters in which formal or informal reports had been made. You might ask why, if there were so many stories of pilots encountering UFOs, there were only 144 reports. The task force explains that there were three main problems getting in the way of them receiving more information. One was that there wasn't a standardized UFO reporting system across the armed forces. It becomes very difficult to compare different UFO incidents if they haven't been investigated and recorded in similar ways. The U.S. Navy did finally establish a system in March of 2019, and the Air Force adopted the Navy system in November of 2020. There really isn't much of an excuse for this oversight. Project Blue Book astronomy consultant Dr. Alan Hynek had developed a standardized UFO reporting system 50 years ago. However, the second issue that the task force describes goes some way to explain why the first issue existed, because the second issue that the task force bumps into is dealing with stigma. According to the report, few pilots or other observers were willing to come forward to discuss UFO encounters they had experienced. Under a section titled UAP Collection Challenges, the task force writes, Narratives from aviators in the operational community and analysts from the military and intelligence community describe disparagement associated with observing UAP, reporting it, or attempting to discuss it with colleagues. Although the effects of these stigmas have lessened as senior members of the scientific, policy, military, and intelligence communities engage on the topic seriously in public, reputational risk may keep many observers silent, complicating scientific pursuit of the topic. This makes the lack of a standardized UFO reporting system easier to understand. 
Why even bother having a system to report something that no one would want to risk their reputation or their career to report? Of course, it's a little rich hearing the intelligence community complain about the harmful impact of the stigma associated with reporting UFOs. From almost the very beginning of the UFO phenomenon, the official position of the American government was that there were no such thing as UFOs. I am here to discuss the so-called flying saucers. The Air Force interest in this problem has been due to our feeling of an obligation to identify and analyze to the best of our ability anything in the air that may have the possibility of threat or menace to the United States. In pursuit of this obligation since 1947, we have received and analyzed between one and 2,000 reports that have come to us from all kinds of sources. Of this great mass of reports, we have been able adequately to explain the great bulk of them, explain them to our own satisfaction. We've been able to explain them as uh, hoaxes, as erroneously identified friendly aircraft, as meteorological or electronic phenomena, or as light aberrations. The official policy of the American government was to discredit anyone who came forward with a UFO report. Researchers such as Captain Ruppelt and Dr. Hynek, who were genuinely trying to get to the bottom of the UFO phenomenon, quickly became frustrated and cynical when they realized that they were expected to dismiss every UFO sighting, even when the evidence pointed in other directions. In 1949, in the early days of the UFO phenomenon, the Air Force had a Saturday evening post writer named Sidney Shallot write up a one-sided hit piece article to try to sway public opinion against believing in UFOs. As Ruppelt wrote in his book, uh, The Report on Unidentified Flying Objects, By the time the reader gets to the meat of the article, he feels like a rich, full-blown jerk for ever even thinking about UFOs. In large part, this deliberate stigmatizing of the UFO phenomenon occurred because the American intelligence agencies were concerned that the flying saucers that had captured the attention and the imagination of the American public hadn't come from the Red Planet. They had just come from the Reds. Speak English, comrade. Remember, that is about the only freedom you do not have in this town. It's American town. Americans, they have too many freedoms. That is another thing you must remember, comrade. For one day it will be your mission to destroy those bourgeois capitalist freedoms. When you look at early memos about the subject, there's almost no mention of aliens. There is, however, a great deal of ink spilled about the possibility that the Soviet Union was behind the phenomenon, either because they had developed advanced weapon systems that were unrecognizable to observers as earthly craft, or that the whole thing was just a psychological warfare operation designed to distract and alarm the American population. As part of a long-range plan to destroy our free way of life, these young communists are studying the economic, political, and religious institutions that are the very heartbeat. Again, this speaks to the Cold War filter that intelligence agencies were looking through at the time. Everything had to be seen in relation to the conflict with the USSR. The third problem with investigating UFOs, according to the task force report, is that most of the encounters occur between UFOs and fighter planes. Fighter plane sensors are very well designed for their purpose, locate hostile targets so they can be intercepted and destroyed. However, as it says in the report, 
As a result, these sensors are not generally suited for identifying UAP. In other words, a heat-seeking Sidewinder missile is a deadly and effective weapon, but it makes a poor telescope. Now that we've addressed some of the difficulties in studying this phenomenon, let's look at the findings. We've already mentioned that there were 144 incidents reported. Of those, only one was explained. That particular UFO was likely a large deflating weather balloon. That leaves us with 143 incidents that were unexplained. Of those, 80 involved observation with multiple sensors. And that's extremely important. Any individual sensory apparatus, radar, infrared, eyeballs, whatever, can be fooled or malfunction. For example, all of us almost died a horrible fiery radioactive death on September 26, 1983, when sunlight reflecting off high-altitude clouds caused a false image on a Soviet early warning radar screen, which made it appear that American missiles had been launched against Russia. Fortunately, at least for those of us who prefer cities to smoking ruins, the Soviet officer at that screen, Lieutenant Colonel Stanislav Petrov, disobeyed his training and gambled that the radar image was just a false alarm. Human eyeballs can be fooled too. There have been many UFOs spotted over the years by pilots, which then turned out to be nothing more than a reflection on the inside of their canopy. However, well, it's not uncommon for one sensory device to be fooled or malfunction. It becomes extremely unlikely for two completely different devices to malfunction simultaneously, identically, and independently. While a reflection on your canopy might fool your eyes, for example, it isn't also going to fool your plane's radar or your infrared sensors. Having 80 reports that involve multiple sensors adds an increased degree of credibility to these reports. As the task force says on page 3 of the report, Most of the UAP reported do represent physical objects, given that a majority of UAP were registered across multiple sensors to include radar, infrared, electro-optical, weapon seekers, and visual observation. That conclusion makes the next observation very intriguing. Because of the 143 unexplained incidents, 18 of those involved the UFO moving in an unusual or unexplainable manner. Again, quoting from the report, Some UAP appeared to remain stationary in winds aloft, move against the wind, maneuver abruptly, or move at considerable speed without discernible means of propulsion. These are important observations, particularly once we move to the section about possible explanations for what these UFOs actually are. It's worth noting that the task force also received 11 reports of documented incidents in which pilots reported a near collision with a UFO. And there's also one short line in the report that deserves much more time and attention than it receives. The UAP task force intends to focus additional analysis on the small number of cases where a UAP appeared to display unusual flight characteristics or signature management. Those last two words in particular we need to examine in more detail. Signature management uh, refers to the active measures that are taken to reduce the visibility of an object on its opponent's sensors. Stealth technology designed to absorb or refract radar signals, for example, is a kind of radar signature management. Covering yourself in cold mud to hide your body heat would be infrared signature management. What exactly is the report saying here? How did the task force come to the conclusion that these UFOs displayed signature management? Which kind of signature management was allegedly used, and how effective was it? This short statement needs and deserves further explanation from the task force. The main conclusion of this report is a reasonable one, and probably an accurate one. 
Rather than looking at a single explanation for every UFO incident, the task force argues that there are almost certainly multiple explanations for the dozens of reports. The report then provides five categories of possible explanation. Category 1. Airborne clutter. That includes things like birds, balloons, recreational drones, and blown garbage like plastic bags. Certainly there are some large seabirds. Pelicans, for example, are terrifying. And it's been argued that the Kenneth Arnold UFO incident in 1947, which started the whole flying saucer craze, may have been caused by misidentified pelicans. They are very large birds. Some of them have 10-foot wingspans. An albatross is even bigger. They can have wingspans of 12 feet. Well, some of the 143 unexplained sightings likely do fall into this category, it seems like a poor fit for some of the stranger sightings, which involve objects demonstrating performance superior to the Navy fighters. Plastic bags don't fly against the wind, and birds can't travel at hypersonic speeds. Category 2. Natural Atmospheric Phenomena Weather, basically. As we mentioned earlier, sensory apparatuses, uh, apparatuses, apparati, appar, appar, sensors can be fooled by sunlight reflecting off of clouds or ice crystals in the atmosphere. However, similarly to category one, category two doesn't seem like a good explanation for the more weird sightings. The report itself seems to dismiss the idea that weather phenomena can explain all the sightings, as it states that most sightings probably represent physical objects. Category 3. This is an interesting one. United States Government or Industry Developmental Programs. So, secret U.S. tech. We've come across all sorts of historical UFO sightings that turned out to be secret American tech. U-2 sightings, A-12 sightings back in the 50s and the 60s, for example. However, when the findings of this report started leaking out at the beginning of June, the headlines claimed that the task force had discovered that the UFOs were not U.S. tech, that U.S. tech had been ruled out as an explanation, which caused a lot of frantic speculation. However, the report doesn't state that the UFOs aren't American tech. It states, We were unable to confirm, however, that these systems accounted for any of the UAP reports we collected. Let me put it like this. Not having evidence that the UFOs are American tech isn't the same thing as having evidence that the UFOs aren't American tech. There's also uh, the sort of obvious observation to be made here that the American government isn't likely to say, oh, we figured it out. Those UAPs are just top secret American tech that we've been testing. Nothing to see here. I'm not sure the American government has ever volunteered information about top secret programs willingly. We can say that the recent sightings are in no way connected with any secret development by any agency of the United States. Category 4, Foreign Adversary Systems. Adversary is specified here, so enemy, basically. Uh, I guess allies of the United States should take a little personally that this report doesn't even consider the possibility that the UAPs might be from England or Brazil. The two adversaries that are listed by name are Russia and China, which from a military spending perspective makes sense, although the task force does admit the possibility that the UFOs could be tech from another nation, or even a non-governmental entity. No other information or context is supplied. This isn't surprising. Again, the American intelligence agencies have zero interest in giving away any of the information they may have received on adversarial countries through electronic surveillance or old-fashioned infiltration. Later in the paper, the task force states that 
We currently lack data to indicate any UAP are part of a foreign collection program or indicative of a major technological advancement by a potential adversary. We continue to monitor for evidence of such programs, given the counterintelligence challenge that they would pose, particularly as some UAP have been detected near military facilities or by aircraft carrying the United States government's most advanced sensor systems. At first, it may seem suspicious and maybe a little bit ominous that UFOs have been detected near military facilities. Historically, this has been the case with UFOs going back to the 1950s. UFOs have often been spotted near high security areas like Air Force bases or nuclear power plants. However, this could simply be because those areas are areas that are more closely monitored. It may not be the case that UFOs are hanging out in those areas more often than other areas, but they are detected in those areas more often than other areas. So at this point, we've had four categories of potential UFO explanations. The first two, random air stuff and weather, don't seem to be good explanations for the kind of UFO sightings mentioned in the report. The next two, secret American tech and secret foreign tech, have, at least according to this report, no evidence to support them. That leaves us with the fifth and most interesting, and least developed, explanation, which is simply and intriguingly titled, Other. The report states, Although most of the UAP described in our dataset probably remain unidentified due to limited data or challenges to collection processing or analysis, we may require additional scientific knowledge to successfully collect on, analyze, and characterize some of them. We would group such objects in this category pending scientific advances that allowed us to better understand them. This category is much different than the others in, in that it's assumed in the description that this is a category that does contain some members. In the American tech category, the task force doesn't state that there are likely some UFO in this category, but we may require a more transparent government to successfully collect on, analyze, and characterize some of them. And while the task force does suggest that increased surveillance and espionage of other countries is probably in order, because of course it does, they aren't assuming that this would provide any UFO answers. Reading between the lines, which is always dangerous of course because it's so easy to misread between the lines, it seems as though the task force is suggesting that it's likely that some of the less interesting UFO incidents fall into the categories of random air stuff and weather. And it's possible that some of the more interesting ones may fall into the categories of secret American or foreign tech. But they seem to be arguing that there are some UFO sightings that belong to that nebulous and vague fifth category of other. The report doesn't speculate what sort of things would fall into the category of other, although anyone reading this report certainly will. Of course, all of this analysis assumes that this report has been written honestly and in good faith, which, given the American government's history with the UFO phenomenon, is a lot to assume. I've heard people talk about the idea that the whole thing is just a trick by the military-industrial complex to scare the population into demanding that more money gets spent on weapon systems to protect us from an alien menace. But realistically speaking, aside from the immense amount of people that would need to be in on a conspiracy like that one, for the last 70 years, the military-industrial complex has never had much of a problem getting funding. And it would be far easier to drum up fear of a conventional Chinese military than it would be to hint at some kind of extraterrestrial threat. And, of course, if it turns out that aliens have discovered Earth and are in the mood to invade us, despite what movies show us, there is basically nothing we would be able to do to fight back. That's a subject for another episode. Ultimately, while the report is very short, not particularly specific, and frustratingly vague in many parts, I actually do think it's useful in some ways. 
There's a few main recommendations made by this task force, and I agree with all of them. First is the removal of the stigma attached to UFO reporting that the Air Force and intelligence agencies have previously worked so hard to maintain. Second is to implement a standardized and streamlined UFO reporting system. And third is to provide additional funding to research and development. Although I only agree with this one with the caveat that the funding goes towards our understanding of our universe, not the development of better missiles. Hopefully the acknowledgement that the task force itself makes that fighter planes are poor scientific tools means that the extra funds will genuinely go to physicists and astronomers to practice helpful science rather than just being funneled to Lockheed Martin. This story isn't over yet, and we'll be keeping an eye on it as it develops over the next few months. And as for that fifth category of other, we'll be doing some episodes on that in the coming months as well. And if you've looked at this report, and you have any ideas or thoughts, then send us an email, because we're always really curious to hear what, uh, what you have to say and what you're thinking. So send us an email at podcast at theuncoverup.com.